Before we get started with this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, I'd like to point you in the direction of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. Matt from the We Are Southampton page uh, did the artwork for the show, and he's been a supporter of the show from the very beginning. And for match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, you can find all of that from Matt on We Are Southampton on Instagram. So be sure to check that out. And uh, if you haven't done so, give him a, a follow there as well. You will not be disappointed. So once again, that's We Are Southampton on Instagram. And now here's the rest of the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone, and no matter where you are, no matter how you may be joining us, thank you for making this show part of your day. Today is the 4th of July in the United States, or July 4th, whatever you want to say, and it's a it's our Independence Day. So um, according to the demographics and the statistics, uh, about half of you won't care about this part of the show, but I got to say it anyway. And uh, it's a special day here in the United States, and uh, maybe maybe everybody's maybe everybody's over it, but you know sometimes people hold on to grudges and, and things like that. So uh, anyway, no matter where you are, thank you for for joining us. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you don't miss an episode. You don't have to download each episode individually. And you can get in touch with us online if you ever have feedback or questions. You can do that on Twitter at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. That's at SFCDELIVERY. And we also have a Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash SFCDELLIVERY. There's no underscore in the Facebook address. Um, now that's out of the way. Let's let's get to what we're going to talk about on today's episode. And I have two guests on today's episode, and we're kind of kind of split it up into three separate segments. Um, and it's going to go kind of like this. I, I had Aiden Small, who is the editor and creator of FreshSaints.com. Uh, he's going to come on the show, and he was the first guest I ever had way back in January. And it was nice to talk with Aiden again. And if you want to get in touch with him, you can find him on Twitter at Mr. Aiden Small at Fresh Saints, or once again, at FreshSaints.com. And he's going to come on and we'll talk shortly or briefly about what's going on at Fresh Saints and what you can find there. We'll talk about the manager. We'll talk about transfers. And we'll come back at the end of the show and answer some listener questions with Aiden. Um, And in between kind of all of that, we will have Christopher Lash come on the show, who is from England originally, but now lives in Poland, teaches in Poland. Um, You can find him on Twitter at RightBankWarsaw. And he also runs a website or has a blog called rightbankwarsaw.com and a podcast called Right Bank Warsaw. So if you're ever, if you have any interest at all in Polish football or uh, just a kind of a, a different view on football, um, be sure to follow Right Bank Warsaw and, and also read his stuff and listen, give his podcast a listen. Uh, one of his episodes, I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, they actually talk about Benotic and he made their, their, their team of the season for the, the Polish uh, top division. So Lots and lots of good stuff coming from from both guests, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. And I should say about the interview with Chris, um, Aiden actually talked to Chris as well and wrote an article that's on FreshSaints.com that you can find. Um, and so I had the opportunity, the um, 
kind of was fortunate enough to read Aiden's article first and maybe kind of ask some some different types of questions once we get uh, into that interview with Christopher. So uh, it was really, really nice to talk to him. And so the show is going to be probably a little bit over an hour when it's all said and done, but I hope that you enjoy it and I won't take up too much of your time here. We'll kind of just get right into it because it is kind of lengthy, but uh, once again, I'd like to thank both of my guests and all of you for listening. Um, and if you ever have questions, please, please do send them in. Use the hashtag SFCDELL, SFCDEL. That helps us sort everything out and keep it all kind of together. So um, all that being said, I hope you're having a great day. Hope you're having a good time, whatever you're doing. And uh, let's get straight into uh, the news because because that's what we're here for so uh once again here's my talk with aiden small and we'll be back in the middle of the show with christopher lash we'd like to welcome back to the southampton delivery podcast a podcast dedicated to the southampton football club and all the sfc fans aiden small of fresh saints and you can find him on twitter at mr aiden small and you can follow fresh saints at fresh saints or find them online at fresh saints Dot com. So, Aiden, welcome back. Uh, you were the first guest we ever had on the, on the podcast, and now we're back to, to do it again. So thank you. I was indeed. Thank you very much for having me, Matt. Oh, no, my, my pleasure. So I'd like to start off straight away with a listener question for you. Chris, who is at CJ underscore Garrett, asked us, what is Fresh Saints? So if, if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about Fresh Saints and then maybe give us an update as, as if anything has happened uh, since last time. All right, so basically, yeah, Fresh Saints is a website I started myself about two years ago, um, and I'm writing weekly feature articles, a number a week. Any transfer news that I hear about, I'll be posting on there, only aiming to put up stuff that's reliable, things that are true. Basically, it's just, just a place for me to to give fans a little tactical insight um, and shine lights on areas that they might not already know about. Um, so it'd be very welcome if you know you could have a have a look online there. I've got a Jay Rodriguez piece coming out very soon, um, which is a little a little tribute piece to Jay on his time at Southampton. So so that'll be good. That'll be good to get online. All right. Let's see. You've been you've been away at university, so you're off for the summer. I'm, I'm assuming you're back in somewhere near the area of Southampton. I am indeed. Yeah, I've been back from university, so back at Southampton now. Just you know, lovely being back down. And yeah, been a good year at university, but oh, it's, it's it's really nice being home, and I'll hopefully be able to catch a few more, few more Saints games at the start of the season and such as well. Now, when when does university start again? Uh, late September, so I've got a good I've got oh, a good man. while yet. Yeah, good while yet. I've got the whole summer to myself. <laughs> I have I have less than a month from today before I have to be back, which is oh god, and I feel Gutting. like I just I just got off, so it's all good. So enjoy your time off, but let's uh, let's. Let's talk a little bit about the team. We got kind of a lot to talk about this week. Talk a little bit about the manager. We've had an interview since the, we released the last episode of the podcast. We'll kind of get your thoughts on that. And we had some kind of big news with Rodriguez leaving and Bednarak coming in. So uh, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll get to all of that. Plus, we have um, more listener questions that we will uh, try to get to. So you might you want to go ahead and get started with the manager? Yeah, let's crack on. All right, all right. Uh, Mauricio Pellegrino now I mean he was in, he was announced last week but he hadn't met with the team and the team's coming back I think today I won't say this morning because mm-hmm. that's it's only 5:30 here but the team is back now um but when you saw that first kind of press conference with him based on everything that we'd read about him and everything what did, what were your what were your thoughts on him well firstly the press conference is is positive for me um we know you know a lot of respect for Puel from last season but my god his press conferences were dull to say the very least um I found it unbearable. I remember I used to get so excited to watch the Pochettino and Komen press conferences and Puel's ones quite simply uh, uh, just bored me to death. I couldn't 
I couldn't sit through them. So it's initially nice to see a manager who's got a lot more life about him in that sense. Um, but the general perception so far for me has been a really a positive, exciting one. I mean, I've seen from a few outside sources looking in aren't as knowledgeable as uh, about La Liga as suggesting that it might be a more negative approach. But I'm taking my view from a number of, of fantastic uh, La Liga journalists and experts who are, are saying that he's really high rated and we've, we've done, once again done brilliant in our recruitment. So uh, I'm, I'm certainly looking to theirs. And I know Sid Lowe, a, a brilliant La Liga journalist um, and sports writer, wrote a fantastic piece earlier in the week. If you can have a look at that, it's a, it's a brilliant read and really encouraging. Um, there's many aspects that seem as slightly similar to the old Pochettino type. Um, so, so yeah, at the moment, I mean, we can't be too knowledgeable because at the end of the day, it's Alaves and it's a big difference, a big switch over from two different sides with totally different ambitions. But it's a really encouraging start from what I've read from a number of people who are I take their word as gospel a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah, no. Sidlow is uh, if you're going to trust one person's word on 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 what happens in La Liga, that's probably it's probably it. Yeah, as, as the English correspondent for it, he's he's the man. Yeah, and, and kind of off topic. Have you read his book, um, Fear and Loathing in La Liga? No, I'm, I'm afraid I haven't. Is it worth read? It, it is. It, it's pretty dense, but it mixes a good bit of, of history with what goes on between Real Madrid and, and Barcelona, and it's uh, it's pretty dense. Maybe not maybe not your easy casual summer read, but still yeah, interesting. But yeah, he's he's one hell of a writer, though. I mean, some of the match reports I see him put out on the end of the ninety minutes, I'm just like, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I've got a long way to go to get to his level. <laughs> well, hey, that's something to aspire to, though. Yeah. I, and I think you're I think you're doing a good job, man. But yeah, I think you know the manager. Like you said, uh, in terms of ambition with the clubs and, and, and kind of outlook, Alaves and, and Southampton are probably really not comparable in that respect. Uh, Alaves just looking kind of to, to stay up and not be relegated, and he manages to take them to a, you know, a top-half finish and, and a cup final, which we see as, you know, we, we've seen what happens with, with us uh, last year doing that. So, um, yeah, but we're, we're looking like we're going to hold on to some players this year. We're looking like we're, we're going to have a different sort of summer maybe. Uh, so I yeah. think, I think we have, I think the expectations for him will be fairly high. Mm. Um, mm. but at least initially we, we did see the, uh, you know, you probably be a, a little bit negative, uh, in terms of tactics, but I think, I think more flexible is probably the word versus yeah. negative, you know, well, that, that's what I've heard a lot as well. I mean, flexible, I mean, it's all, it's all depending on the game you're playing and the players you've got at the end of the day. You know, a lot of people would assume that it's going to be negative just because he was like that at Alaves. But I mean, at the end of the day, you don't want to use square pegs in round holes. So he's only going to use the players as he seems fit. And if at Alaves, that meant slightly more negative football and it's Saints that means more attacking football then you know that's what it means to be flexible as a manager and one thing that I've been really encouraged by is all this talk about a positive squad and getting the fans on side and getting the players as a team and a unit again because to be honest for the past year I felt it's, it's really divided and a lot of people felt like it was slightly grown apart despite that run to the cup final fans felt distant from the players and, and the coach the, the players clearly were distant from, from Puel as well so, I mean, that's that's really encouraging. I want that family feeling back in the squad because at the end of the day, that's what that's what Saints really are, aren't we? You know, that that's how our squad should be feeling. I don't want a, a corporate feeling of it all all being about, you know, just just the individuals and stuff. You know, I love I love the family feel of Southampton as a club. So hopefully that's something we can be sure to reinstall again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, I, they're back. I, I don't know if they start training today, if they just do uh, fitness testing or whatever, whatever they have going on. They probably have meetings and stuff, I guess. To, yeah, to I, get know, I know they're on the bleep tests again today. So on the bleep test, checking a lot of the youngsters back in and all of that, all of the like. Now, 
I, I, do, I guess I do have one more question before uh, we move on from, from that. Um, we're talking about his flexibility and we're going back a little bit, but when you have a manager, would you rather have a manager who just says like, we're going to take the game to the other team, no matter who that other team is, or would you rather have a manager that goes like, you know, we're going to take a team, we're going to take it to a team like Watford or, you know, Burnley, but we're going to adjust and, and maybe sit back against a, a Manchester city or, or a team like that. Would you rather have a manager that kind of just chooses to take it to everybody or that, that is more flexible, I guess. I, I'm definitely flexible for me. hundred percent flexible. I think, I think it's naive to ex- think that you can, apply the same game plan at Burnley as you can at, at City. To a, I mean, to a certain extent, we saw that a lot on the Pro last season. He said he, he likes to not care about what the opposition are doing. But, well, you know, not not to that exaggerated extent, but he's, he said a number of times he likes to focus on his own team and not worry about what the opposition are doing and keep focus on theirs. And to me, awfully frustrating a lot of times when you see a player picking up the ball for the opposition in a number of areas time and time again because we're so focused on playing in that rigid system. So I... I really like flexibility because, I mean, that's you, you have to be able to do that. You have to adjust from a team, especially a team like Manchester City next year, and the, the way that they're going to be attacked with you, with, with the amount of forwards and attacking talent they've got in their squad. We can't afford to just be naive enough to think that we can just play our own game against them. That creates a divide, and you see in, in the era, teams, leagues like the Eredivisie and La Liga where there's a pride down in the lower end table where you kind of have to play to that extravagant style how much you can get ripped apart and how big the league can divide itself in in two three mini leagues inside one league um so no i'd, I'd always go for for a manager with flexibility i, I tend to agree with you but i, I always i was wondering because you hear people talk about kind of the bigger teams if you're a big club you won't do that you know you'll just kind of play your your thing and sometimes i think it's just posturing by managers or, or, yeah. or other people who are saying that i mean i don't i don't really think necessarily they believe that but i think that kind of does it for him we talked about him week after week and i think we're gonna have to wait and see what he does on the on the field and mm-hmm. hopefully when they go on uh on their little jaunt to to play some preseason games they'll be up on the youtube channel we can actually see what's going on there that'd be, be nice again. yeah i'm i'm looking forward i mean until until we see movement in the transfer window or the first game we can't really speculate anymore on Pellegrino at this point you know I mean it's all down to how he seems fit for the team who, who he wants to play what formations I mean we're clueless till he gets the chance to analyze his squad you know yeah and and speaking of the squad we've we've had a kind of a, a change and I think a loss to the team but also maybe a good move for everybody all the way around with um, mm. Jay Rodriguez making the move over to to West Brom um saw somebody make the joke like you know somebody just tell Tony Pulis he's a he's a center back so he can actually get on the field but um <laughs> <laughs> but um you know you, you've been a Southampton fan for for a long time and so at one point he was I think our record signing way back when we first signed him but uh what what do you kind of remember about about Jay Rod do you think this is a good move for him moving over to West Brom well, I remember first season watching him, and I met. I remember he made appearances up into the high thirties, a good thirty-five odd. I remember thinking that he had a fantastic movement, and there was a physical nature about, it, and there's something stand out. But that he was always bottling those chances, those crucial moments. His knees kind of turned to jelly as he rushed through on goal. I always remember that about Jay, um, and he managed to notch up a good six goals in his first season. But it was it was when Pochettino came in that he really found his identity. You know, he was given a sole role in the side. And that's when we saw the very best of Jay Rodriguez, you know, playing in off the left-hand side. He knew when to stretch the pitch, but he also knew when to come inside and play off of Ricky Lambert. He was such a dangerous threat. He threw his body in front of everything. He was physical. He would he'd, he'd put his body on the line for Saints. You know, the amount of times you'd see him leap up above six foot four centre-halves and, and he had a little bit of trickery. He was scoring all types of goals, headers, left foot, right foot, outside the box. 
absolutely, absolutely adored Jay back in those years. And a uh, funny old story, I actually got one of Jay Rodriguez's uh, World Cup boots in my room. Won it on a Twitter competition a few years ago. So Jay's, Jay's close to my heart in that sense. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, he seems to mean a lot to a lot of people. And I didn't see one person on Twitter yesterday or Facebook go like, you know, he can, he can, he can bug off or anything else. Everybody was pretty, you know, we wish him the best. Yeah, no- and I mean, it's nothing but support for him. The guy, you know, he went through the most painful, horrible experience mentally and physically for himself. I mean, he had a good 16 months out of football. And I mean, when you think you're about to go to the World Cup playing for your country, representing your country... And then you spend 16 months out and you're wondering whether you'll ever play football again or, you know, let alone if you'll ever get in the Southampton side, if you'll ever play football again. I mean, there was one point where his leg got infected and they were, they were worried that he'd actually have to like lose his leg. That was the extreme case. So, I mean, he's, he's been through an awful lot and he's, he's given his all. That's one thing no one can knock Jay for. He's never been an, um, you know, he's always been professional and he's always wanted to get back out onto that pitch for Saints. So I can never, never knock a player like that. No. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe getting to see him play again, you know, um, yeah, he didn't, yeah, he didn't notch a whole lot of minutes last year. So hopefully he'll, he'll be a, a regular in the West Brom team. And I'm fortunate over here in America where I can watch every game. And if they're not playing at the same time as, as Southampton, then I will, you know, probably tune in to watch him. Although West Brom can be, uh, atrocious to watch. They can so, be a bit, they yeah. can be a bit dull. I mean, I'm quite excited for Jay though. I think it generally good move for us. Cause he had, to, he had to move on. He no longer had an identity in the side. We didn't know where to play him. He didn't, he didn't belong anywhere in in the team, the first eleven. Um, but also good move for him because it's it's Tony Pulis likes to play an organised style of football. Jay's going to be trusted. He's going to have an arm round him, um, and off off of big knockdowns from from players like Rondon, I think Jay could be quite effective. He's not the most skillful, but for a West, West Brom side, he's he's pretty quick as players in what the West Brom team go. And I think I think someone like Tony will know how to use Jay and get him back to a good level. I think he can be an effective player for them. He'll be making similar runs to his Poch days, you know, uh-huh. running off of a big forward. So, yeah, I, I look forward to, to seeing Jay do that. It's definitely good. He just needed to play football again, especially at this age. Yeah, yeah. And we should, I guess, talk about the price. It's rumored to be in the £12 million range, I mm. think. Um, but who's doing well in that case? Is, is West Brom getting a steal or did Les Reed pull some magic or, or what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think to be honest, both parties are happy. You know, Saints, Saints didn't have a, a responsibility in for him anymore. We have players that are moving ahead of him in the pecking order. So we're happy to get that 12 million that we can look to reinvest in the front line. But West Brom also, I mean, he's, uh, Jay still managed to get six Premier League goals last year. And I think that's a worthwhile gamble for, for West Brom too. A player of, of that style. I mean, with maybe Chadley and Rodriguez going off of Rondon, you know, that could be that could be useful for the way Pulis wants to play. So I, I think both sides have come on, kind of come out of this as as winners. Yeah, I, I'm like I said, I'm happy. I'm happy for him, and I, I think I think twelve million. You know, it's it's more. It's a lot more than we paid for him, but of course the uh, you know the prices right now are, are a bit inflated. But I think it's a good bit of business all the way around. So yeah, exactly kind of moving in that in that direction of, of transfers and things like that we've had Les Reed come out and say that certain players are not going to be moving particularly uh Virgil van Dijk and, and possibly even Cedric that they won't be sold does that kind of surprise you at all based on our our history within the transfer window well firstly like, I'm, I'm I'm obviously you know it's a positive statement to release but at the end of the day it's one of those I'm I'm, I'm only going to believe it when we come to the final day you know that's the that's the bottom line for me you know I'm, I'm glad he's come out with this statement and I'm encouraged by it. 
but I'll only truly believe it when that window slams shut. Um, because it, it's football, you never know what happens. You know, say if a big club come calling and turn Virgil van Dijk's head or you know turn his head, I'm interested the stance the board would then take up. You know, if 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 he does cause an, a bit of uprest or or issues in the squad, so it's it's all so hard to predict at the minute because we're still so early in the window. We don't know who's going to come swooping in. But you know, as as it as it goes for a start, I mean, how can you? You can't not be encouraged by a statement like that. And I, I really hope it's something we do look to to continue. Not every single year, because I, you know, I'm not stupid. I know we can't keep every single player every year, but in cases like Virgil Van Dijk, where the player's been injured for a longer while, uh, been out of the been out of the game, and with the length of his contract, I think he, he owes us another year. Um, and also Cedric. I mean, his first season was dodgy um, under Coman, and he's only had one. I would say one good season. He wasn't exceptional. He was he was good. It was a good, strong season from Cedric, signed to move forward, but definitely not deserving of a move away. So no, I'm 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 happy with a statement like this and I'm I'm really hoping that we do maintain both of those. You know, perhaps the club is in a different financial situation, uh, as opposed to, to years past and and maybe, you know, this has something to do with you know, maybe it has something to do with with the, the the possible takeover talks and all that stuff, but that's all speculation, so we won't we won't go yeah. into that too much. Um, like you said, I'm happy with that. Um, I'm happy with the kind of idea that that these guys are going to stick around. And you know, if Cedric moves away, perhaps I think I think for all of these guys, next year will be the year because he's still only 25. So mm-hmm. if he moves away next year, he's probably that's probably going to be the last really big contract he gets. Because uh, yeah. like you know, they say 26, 27, 28 are kind of the, those big years. So if he's going to move away, that's when you go to, to agree with those 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 personal terms that are going to be, you know, outlandish mm-hmm. essentially. Um, yeah. But I'm definitely going to watch uh, some of the other big clubs around Europe and see you know what the right back situation is because it seems like everybody's moving around. So um, mm. hope, hopefully, and I think the vital thing there as well is that it's it's just that we don't get bullied. Is that we don't get a bid and you know we've only had the player a year. We panic and sell him on. That's the last thing I want. I want us to be in the stage where when clubs come calling, we, we sit them down and we say, all right, you've, you've played at Saints for a year, a year and a half now. Give us another full season or another two. We'll, we'll work on that. We'll get you a bigger move than who's currently getting you. You know, look to the situation of how we handled Morgan. That's what I want to become the norm for Southampton. Not, yeah, I guess you'd still say it's a selling club, but we're a selling club that would be working extremely effectively and exciting. You know, you get the player for a number of years. You get to develop him, you sell him on to a club that's huge and that you can't possibly deny a player going to, that's, you know, a dream to move there. And and then you, the, the cycle begins again, you know. That's that how I want us to operate, not for us to be bullied and pushed over by, by clubs just outside the top four or just inside the top four. I want to sell them to Europe's elite and get them staying that extra year. Right, right. And, and by doing that, it gives you the opportunity to, to make sure you have the follow-up or the kind of replacement in line, you know. Exactly. You get, yeah, you get the extra year of preparation. Right, and I think that is where our club, so we're Southampton. The the backroom staff have done a fantastic job of of scouting and mm-hmm. doing that because it everybody doubts every year. There's no way we can do that, but hey, we do it. Yeah, <laughs> we do it. Um, and that kind of brings us to uh, our first kind of signing of the window, I guess. The the, the Polish Jan. Bednarek, I've been corrected on his his pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, there's a few pronunciations I've seen lurking around. I think yeah, Bednarek is is the way. I think we both happen to speak with uh, Right Bank Warsaw, uh, Christopher, mm-hmm. uh, and so um, you you spoke with him last week, and you have an article up on Fresh Saints uh, about him. So uh, why don't we we start there? Um, what did, what did you find out about him, or what? Uh, well, Christopher went along the lines of saying he was the best young defender in his position in Poland, um, and he's surprisingly quick for someone of his size and and build, to be honest. And he's he's strong on the ball, great in the air. 
uh, and pretty aware as a central defender. And he was saying that he only broke through into Lex's first team last season, um, which is pretty crazy to be honest. He became you know the key defensive player for the club uh, as he as he came into the side. So for a young player to take that on his on his shoulders at a club like Lech Poznan, where there's a lot of pressure, you know, it's a big club to be playing for out in Poland. So, I mean, that's always an encouraging start. Yeah, and there are some questions about him for sure. He, I mean, he still mm. is he still is young, but I don't. We don't really have the reputation for signing uh, established players. I guess you know players who yeah. are are finished products. Um, mm. Players tend to come to us, so I think that's actually kind of what drew him to us, based on kind of what he said in the interview and stuff like that. But what what do you? I guess what do you kind of expect of him in, in our squad this season? Um, I think there's been talk of him being some people saying is this the Fonte replacement? I mean, even some Liverpool fans have suggested it means VVD's going, but yeah. I mean, he's not at all in that mold. He's not ready or near there. I mean, even the, even when we spoke to Christopher, he was saying that he's not ready yet for that straight first team spot. He still needs to be developed. Um, he still needs some growth. So I'd say with. I think Gardos will probably be on his way out or we'll find a way to resolve that situation. And he comes in as our more promising centre-half that will get cup games. You know, a player, single first-team centre-back gets injured, you know, then he gets his trust. But I think his first year is all going to be about the development and then we can look to, to bed him into the squad more. Um, but it's an encouraging signing for us. I mean, it's it, it might be we're doing it in preparation for another centre-back that might be... You know, Virgil van Dijk leaving in a year's time. You know, who knows? Who knows how how well Benarek could uh, could develop? Um, but yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I like about. It. We're always preparing for the future, and you know, when he when he maybe gets his first full nailed down place in the starting eleven, he's going to be twenty three odd or or so. So yeah, yeah, it's in, it's encouraging. We don't know too much as of yet, and it'll be interesting to see him over pre season. But from what people are saying in Poland, you know, people who know their football over there and he was in all the pundits team of the seasons it seems like we we have a an interesting little player on our hands yeah and kind of what maybe what other defenders could he be compared to in terms of uh and style of play and things like that yeah well he was he was con- actually compared to a, a john stone's ferdinand model by by christopher and he was saying by no means don't think he's you know in in those levels but he's part of that model where uh the rio ferdinand where he's more commanding strong but you know deceptively good on the ball um so i mean it's only a positive being able to take it in some in a under a comparison like that we've got to hope he, he can transfer it and i mean i expect to see a raw talent and i expect to see mistakes as well um but i mean that's what southampton are there to do we're there to nurture that out of them and, and make them the best player they can be so that doesn't discourage me and and we've also seen what we can do with defenders who make glaring mistakes where you all go what's going on because you know that happens, but I mean, look at Yoshida, and I don't yeah, really think exactly. I don't really think any of us. Uh, I mean, I certainly I won't speak for you, but I I didn't think that based on what I had seen from Yoshida that he was going to be able to step in and do a job like he did last season, but he did. And yeah, I think I think no anybody would be forgiven for thinking that way too. I certainly did. I mean, lots of people said he's a liability, but he's a liability. But then you know, 15 games later, with not a single defensive mistake in that time, and you're thinking, you know. He's playing like a really experienced player whilst guiding Stevens next to him. So, I mean, people forget that part. I mean, not only has he wormed his way in, it's not like he was playing alongside Virgil van Dijk that whole time. He was playing against, he was playing alongside a, a Southampton youngster, having to look after him, having to make sure he's in position. So, I mean, there's two roles essentially he's taken up there, his own role as a centre-back and also also the leader over Stevens. So mm-hmm. that's what's impressed me most with, with how Southampton worked there and how Yoshida improved. Absolutely. And I'm not sure we have a, a, 
a true answer for this, but uh, when I look at Stevens and, and, and Benarek, it, they seem to be similar types of players. They're both they're both big. They can be physical. Stevens, I haven't seen as much of that from him, but uh, but also really good on the ball. Do you see like do do you ever worry that if you have two center backs that are kind of really really similar that that you then that means you're lacking somewhere, or, or do you think? Yeah, I know what you mean in terms of you know two similar players. You sometimes need someone who can be a little more old school. You know, someone who can really fly through through the back of someone, and someone who can really command the defence. My biggest worry with them being so similar is the age and the, the lack of experience. You know, not one single one of them is the the clear leader. Right. Um, and you wouldn't exactly know who, yeah, who's leading, who who's holding the line. And I know that'd be sorted out inside the club, but naturally, age is an important factor in a centre back partnership. So, um, yeah, that will worry me a little. But I mean, Stevens is a fantastic talent and. We've seen the Saints recruitment over the years in in, right. in their ways. So for you know a six million rising to eight million fee for for Bednar, you know I, I'm trusting their judgment there. Yeah, it is a big fee. I mean, it's not a big fee. It's a big fee. It's the largest fee for a, a player coming out of the Polish yeah. league. But uh, yeah. in terms of of overall football money, not not huge. Yeah, I mean, respective to yeah to the Polish league, it's it's a big fee. But I mean, yeah, with the fees that we've seen in recent days, it's nothing in the Premier League, is it? Yeah, and that's going to come with some added pressure for him. You know, Chris. Mm. Chris kind of stated that, but uh, I, I think I think he'll be good, and it seems to be, seems to be fairly level headed and things like that. Um, after you talked with him in, in a released your article, I happened to to get him on the phone, um, mm-hmm. and because I'd already had the opportunity to read your article, I, I got to ask some uh, kind of similar types of questions. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and play that here, and then we'll come back and uh, deal with some some questions from listeners. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All right. Well, Christopher, you are uh, English, and you, but you live in, in in Poland, and you teach there, and so I, you know, thank you for for doing this and providing us some um, just some information about Southampton's new signing, and, and welcome to the show. I, I appreciate your time. Uh, no, no, no worries. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so, if you if you can, just can you just start off explaining kind of uh, what you know what we're getting in in Bednarak here uh, in Southampton? Yeah, uh, it's uh, Bednarak. Benarek, okay. I'm sure you'll, you'll pick it up. It, it's actually one of the simpler Polish uh, surnames to pronounce. <laughs> so you're, you're, you've got no, you know, there's no S, Zs and Cs and various things. So you're working out pretty quickly. Um, I'm wondering what, this, what the Southampton fans will come up with a nickname for him. I'm sure they'll find some way of uh, twisting it around. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting a, a future prospect. I mean, he's not going to... I can't imagine him going into the first team this year. Maybe a couple of substitute appearances. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe he will play a bit and you know show it show some really good stuff. But this is it sounds bad to start from a negative perspective. But uh, he's a very good player. I mean, for Polish league standards. But he he did make a lot of mistakes last year, uh, and he's still learning the game. You know, it's really only his first or second full season. You know, he played on loan at a club called Gordnik Wenchna and then at Lech all the way through last year, Lech Poznan. Um, and he's, you know, he's very he's good in the air. Uh, he's pretty good on the floor. He's tall guy, he's strong, he's quite quick. Um, he's pretty good distribution. Uh, so those are those are positive points. But on, on the negative side, he, he's still, as you know, he's still learning the game. His, his positional plays a bit off sometimes. Uh, uh, and, you know, obviously with a centre-back, when, when you're, if you make a, a mistake, you're basically giving away a goal. Uh, so right. I think that uh, the Southampton coaches are going to have to, you know, work on those things with him. But, uh, you know, 
I, I think that uh, there's 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 really real potential to to be a re- really top class center forward, but you know it, it, it's not going to be um, immediate. Right, and you know Southampton has a, a kind of a reputation for bringing through and developing young players. So that do you think that kind of fits into to what we see in him that we're buying something kind of for the future to be developed versus what he can provide to us right now? Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, you know, the, the great thing about the Premier League is there's so much money in it. So you can really, you can take, you can make a, eight, you can make an eight million, a million euro signing or whatever, and it's not even a, a big, a big thing, you know. <laughs> Whereas uh, it's the highest transfer ever out of the Polish uh, league. Uh, so it's a massive transfer from from the Polish perspective, but from the Southampton perspective, it's really nothing. <laughs> yeah. Which it is incredible, really. You know, I support a championship team in in England, uh, Reading, and you know, I think our record signing is two and a half million. So uh, if we made that kind of signing, it'd be like whoa, you know. But for you guys, it's really nothing. So it's not, it's you know, you're not taking that much of a risk, especially with a 21 year old player with with a lot of attributes that really can, uh, uh, you know, he can improve on in the future. So I, I think that you guys have got uh, it's a good deal, uh, and I think the club is uh, is a good fit. Uh, for him, I mean, I was watching the interview with him uh, after he signed. Uh, first of all, he's got pretty decent English for a, uh, a a Polish player. A lot of them really don't have the languages when they travel abroad, so that's a, a plus already that he can speak a decent level of English. Absolutely. But uh, he was saying that you know that that he wouldn't have chosen uh, Southampton if it wasn't for the fact that they have their uh, the, the good uh, youth system. Uh, and we saw a really bad example of, of of a player leaving last summer to the Premier League. Uh, Bartosz Kapustka, who went to Leicester City from uh, Krakowie in Poland for a similar kind of feat to Bednarek, and uh, it just has gone completely wrong for him. He's, I think, he played three games last year and uh, was doing, was even getting dropped by the Leicester under 23s. Uh, and when he came uh, over for the under 21s, which uh, Bednarek also played in, uh, Kapustka had a terrible match uh, first game, and he just looked a complete shadow of the player that he was when he moved. So I think Bednarek, uh, hopefully him and his agent have, 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 have thought about it quite a lot. And uh, uh, Because if you make the wrong move, it's, uh, it can be catastrophic for your career. Uh, absolutely. Off of that, the Under-21 tournament, um, it, I think a lot of us, that, that's the first we've ever heard or seen of him. And so, of course, mm-hmm. you know, we, we see the link and we just tune in. And especially if we watch that match against England, which I'm sure a, a lot of the listeners did. Um, yeah. That's not a great first step for him or first impression, but that is that is not typical of him. Is that is that is that? Am I safe in saying that? Well, it is and it isn't. Uh, I I would say that as I was sort of talking about before, he sometimes has the potential to uh, go missing at key moments in matches, uh, and I think that that's partly a young player thing. I think that uh, especially centre-back is one of those really difficult positions because, you know, if you're a goalkeeper and you make a mistake, obviously it's a goal, right? But at the same time, goalkeepers are not expected to make saves all the time, right? Whereas a centre-back, if you make a mistake, it's a goal. So I think that he needs to spend a lot of time working with, you know, the, the excellent, uh, not just youth, but also first-team coaches uh, at Southampton to sort of get those parts of his game sorted uh, you know, I think also it's interesting that you know Pellegrino is is the new manager. Obviously, he's a, was a top class centre back. Uh-huh. So I, I think for someone like Benarek, that's that's a really uh, a good thing as well. Uh, but um, yeah, it is. You know, I'm trying not to be overly negative because I think he is a good signing, and I think uh, again a lot of potential. But 
uh, he um, is sort of typical of what he does, right? You know, he, he, I think he, he certainly, if, if, you're gonna, if he's going to start, if he's going to play for Southampton, he needs to have an experienced defender next to him, just in case something um, goes wrong. But, you know, there's examples of, you know, players like John Stones who went to, or City, sorry, and I don't know how much they, they spent on him, but it was massive amounts of money, and he was making a lot of mistakes as well. So uh, it's not easy being a, a young centre-back, I think, especially in such a challenging league as the Premier League. Yeah, and, and there's definitely going to be some expectations on him, but what are the kind of expectations on him in Poland now? What are people expecting him to do? Are a lot of people going to be watching his kind of development and kind of like... You know, here in America, we we sent Bob Bradley over to to be the Swansea manager, and that he was supposed to be the kind of guy that kind of you know would show everybody, hey, American football is 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 moving forward. And then he and he kind of failed. So, is there going to be some pressure on on and Benarek to to do that as well? Yeah, lots of pressure. You know, I mean, he's a he's a confident guy. He's from a quite well off home, I think I read, and you know, he already speaks English pretty well, so. I think he's prepared for it, at least mentally. And he seemed, and the, the first comments seem to be that he's got a pretty level head on his shoulders and he seems like he understands what's what's happening now. But there's going to be a lot of pressure. I mean, the Polish media can be quite uh, fierce at times, especially regarding uh, players who, who you know, they hype up. You know, every country does it to an extent, hyping up, sure. you know, new players. But apart from goalkeepers, you know, Borutz and, uh, uh, who was also at was that Southampton Borutz? I can't remember if he was at Southampton. He was at Bournemouth anyway, and um, also obviously Shenchny who played at Arsenal and others. There hasn't been a lot of uh, outfield players who've really succeeded uh, in the Premier League from from uh, from Poland. and uh, So uh, there'll be a lot of uh, pressure in that regard, and Poles, you know, just like all around the world, Poles love the Premier League, and they watch a lot of it. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of... Uh, a lot of pressure on him, but as I said, from from what I saw in the interview and what I've heard from various or read in various parts of the Polish press, it seems like he's a pretty uh, intelligent uh, guy who's uh, not going to let it uh, get to him. The pressure, but you know what, what what they expect in terms of the future is they well they're really hoping he's going to be you know the the centre back you know for the national team for maybe not straight away but uh, for the next you know ten years or so. Yeah. Uh, so I think that he, you know, he's there's a massive amount of expectation on him. Yeah, I did have a question. About that. The, the fact that he is not yet playing for the senior team should that cause me any kind of worry or Southampton fans worry? Or he's just he's still developing and he's just not quite ready. But he he like you said he he does they do plan to have him uh, be the one of the center backs that, that they go forward with. Correct. Yeah, yeah, you certainly. I, what I've heard, I mean, it, it's sort of helpful in some respects because Poland um, has already almost qualified for the World Cup next year. So uh, I've, what I've heard is that in, in the autumn qualifiers, uh, which again, Poland's pretty much there already, but uh, the Bednarek will be uh, blooded in. He'll be, he'll start to, he'll be at least called up in the next round of qualifiers and maybe get a couple of games. But I mean, Poland is, you know, the background is that Poland's basically this is their best team for pretty much thirty years uh, internationally. Poland with Lewandowski and uh, other very good players, uh, and uh, their centre back, I mean, is uh, pairing is now Gleek, who plays for Monaco. Got to the Champions League semi-finals with uh-huh. Monaco, starting pretty much every game. So you know, Benarek's not going to displace him. Uh, and the second player is Pazdan, who plays actually in the Polish league still uh, uh, for Legia Warsaw. But Pazdan is 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 really stable. 
real fighter as well, and he he basically played very well in the Euros last year. Uh, so uh, those two are going to be difficult to dislodge, really, uh, considering the fact that uh, Beznar Benarek is still pretty mistake prone. But yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely you know Mavalka's uh, the Polish national team coaches. Firmly got his eye on him, and you know I'm sure the next couple of years he's going to be um, uh, playing relatively regularly for the national team. And I don't know if you can speak to this, but Pellegrino has been given some some credit for being very tactically flexible. Sometimes playing a back three or back five, sometimes playing a back four. Um, yeah. Do you think that that he can slot in and play in a, in a, in a back three, given that he can is fairly good on the ball? Yeah, I think so. I mean. Lech uh, uh, this season have been playing, you know, uh, a four-two-three-one, but it's back about a flat back four, or whatever. So um, he, I'm not sure if he's got experience of it. Uh, really, uh, Poland hasn't really switched. Like it seems like almost every Premier League team is now switching to three, five, you know, three at the back. It, it doesn't seem to have moved over to Poland quite yet uh, that system. Uh, but uh, you know, I think it could work. I mean, as long as he plays alongside, you know some more experienced players who can yeah. give him a bit of support. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, he, he, he does have pretty good passing um, abilities. Um, and, again, the, the key thing is that, you know, as I said before, is that he has some players alongside him who uh, can help him out if he ever get, he gets in a jam because, you know, still, you know, he's still making those mistakes, which probably, uh, you know, again, in a, in a cutthroat, uh, you know, Premier League match, uh, I still would be a bit hesitant to throw him in uh, unless there's especially in a match which is really important you know yeah overall uh, a good signing maybe not quite ready to be thrown into the deep end yet but can definitely develop and i think we have under pellegrino and hopefully next to van dyke over the season he can he can develop and then get into the the polish senior team and just continue to do that so i think it's going to be it's going to be good for everybody but yeah i just i appreciate you you taking the time to to kind of chat with me and, and do this and um, is there anything else you'd like to to add about him or Polish football or you in general? Uh, not really. I just hope that you know. I, again, I I just hope that he that uh, that, that Southampton, um, you know, from what I've heard, they they do this and will you know try to match uh, you know the the coaching to to the individual uh, because uh, you know uh, and again as I said, he seems like to be a kind of player who who's pretty bright and he's ambitious. So. I think it'll fit well, so hopefully it does for you guys. Well, once again, I, I thank you for uh, for joining us, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. And I, I hope uh, you know. Hopefully, we'll talk in the future. Yeah, sure. Um, you're, you're welcome. No problem. And uh, people can find you on on Twitter at Right Bank Warsaw, and you also have your own podcast, which is Right Bank Warsaw, and people can find that on on iTunes, I assume. Yeah, iTunes and SoundCloud, the usual kind of outlets. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much for, for your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, and, and enjoy that long day ahead of you. Oh. <laughs> 6, 6, 30, yeah, I'll see you. Good luck, man. See All you right. later. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, so we are back, and that was Christopher from Right Bank Warsaw. You can find his podcast on iTunes, right bank Warsaw. And he writes and all that stuff and all the links for those are in the show notes. And on that same kind of subject of, of contracts and transfers and everything else, we signed two players to new contracts, Gallagher uh-huh. and Stevens. Um, and those are both kind of young players and, and it, it's going to be good to kind of lock them up and have them at the club. Uh, but we have some listener questions and one of them kind of relates to that. And Jay, who was at Van Dyke, who was actually on the podcast last week, uh, said, if you had to pick three players to sign new deals at the club, who would you sign and why? 
And for me, I went ahead and looked over at transfer market to see kind of when players' contracts are expiring. And we we seem to have people locked up for quite a few years. But what 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 did you make of that question, or who would you kind of sign to a new contract if if you if you had to pick a, a player or two? Yeah, well, I'm similar to you, you know, having a look, it kind of makes you take a step back and realize how well we've done to lock down all of our our players on such long contracts. You know, you go into the 2020 sections, 2021, and it's really encouraging. Um, but one that stands out to me uh, at the moment would be Mario Yoshida. It wouldn't be a big contract, and it wouldn't be anything particularly large. Uh, definitely not a long extension, given his age. Um, but I believe he still runs out next year, I believe. I think it's it's meant to be in June time next year, 2018. Uh, yes. And Yoshida's definitely deserving of a new contract. Maybe an extra year extension. Um, I'm sure Pellegrino will probably give him a little review in the preseason, see what he makes of him, um, and that will be the deciding factor in offering him a new contract. But, I mean, if he is impressed by Yoshida, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see Yoshida get a new contract, and he'd be deserving of that. Uh, another one for solely asset protection is Nathan Redmond. Um, there's very few other key first-team players who run out anytime soon, and Nathan's doesn't either. But asset protection is a big Southampton thing. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if by this time next year we're, we're dealing with bids from Nathan. I mean, we, you look at how much he's improved since even his, a year ago at Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, his goal-scoring capabilities are rising. Um, and, and if he can do that again this year, as I expect he will, then, uh, then you know, bids are only going to come. It's the natural way player, you know, other clubs are going to always target our players. So Nathan, another to you know, command a bigger transfer fee. And then another that I'd like to see would be Cedric. You know, I've seen Fees talking about if and when he departs, it would be for 15 million. Um, and I've got to say, in terms of the Southampton way in, in our the way we handle our transfers, that's not enough for me, especially when you see how much uh, Bertrand has been rumoured with. Um, and if, you know, he has a, Cedric has another great year, then then I would like to see us command over 20 million. So maybe an extra, an extra year or a couple extra years on there and a contract boost for Cedric would... Uh, would be useful for us. Okay. I think if I had to pick a player, uh, aside from the, the ones you've thrown out there, it would be, uh, maybe Matt target. I think he's rumored. I think it's, I think his contract is at the end of not this year, but next year, 2019. Yeah. And, and just looking, like you said, we have a lot of players who are, who are locked up for, for a number of years to come. And, and he's one of them. I'm not sure he's, you know, he's going to make that breakthrough. I think, depending on how things go with Bertrand and everything else, he might be kind of blocked off, but I think mm-hmm. he needs to be kind of held held there as somebody who could come in and, and do the job if necessary, if, if especially because I don't think we're going to sign maybe a really established left back uh, if Bertrand does go. So I think that would be somebody that I would, I would try to protect in. And yeah. I mean, he's in, he's in the England national team contention. He is a player with some quality and some, some potential. So I think that would be the guy that I would do. But otherwise, I mean, you really look at that and, it really shows how, how well the club have, have planned oh, for the yeah, future. It's, it's positive viewing. It is. It is. And I was surprised. Um, not, actually, I wasn't surprised, but I was happy. I was, I was happy when I saw it, especially because um, I was looking at uh, you know, some Arsenal stuff, and they just have players coming in their contracts like yeah, crazy. The amount of key players in the next two years is, is frightening a, a number of other clubs. So, yeah, it's always good to be in that situation where, you know, if, even if they are going to go, you're, you're going to get your money's worth. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, next question. Do you have a question you'd like to, to, to answer or you want me to go ahead and go again? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Far away. All right. So let's, uh, I guess, staying on that on that note. We have two kind of questions that, that will uh, we'll go here, but we'll go with, uh, with Connor Dunford, uh, who is at Connor Dunford 1. And he says, do you believe Gabbiadini and Austin are the quality we need up front or would you like to see an upgrade to one or both? 
Okay, uh, I think Gabbiadini and Austin will, should will definitely be in the first team squad for next season, as in starting a, a large number of games, and they are perfectly good enough. Austin is one hell of a finisher, um, and we saw what Gabbiadini can do too. And I know Austin he's got the injury troubles from time to time, but he is a superb forward. I mean, it, you play the man, and he is going to score goals. If he if he completes an entire season, Austin without doubt is getting fifteen goals plus. Um, so for, to see some fans of doubts over Austin is is absolutely mind blowing to me. Um, I would still like to see another quick forward with a little more grit between his teeth. You know, a little a little bit of a terrier. I'd absolutely love that within our front line. Don't think we would be able to sign him, but a, a player like a Kalechi Iniacho um, would be absolutely superb for us. I'd love that. Um, a player with a little bite playing off of Austin or Gabby Adini and Iniacho running off of them would be would be absolutely brilliant to see. So a player in that mould, um, the old previous Mane mould, I guess, can kind of come under this same bracket. A player who's quick, but also has the power behind him to uh, cause defences trouble. That's what I'd love, because Gabby Adini and Austin aren't particularly the most athletic of forwards. Right, right. Um, and I guess I have a little bit of a, a tangential question here. Um, if we play with two forwards, do you... Th- like, do you think we still need to sign? Because that leaves us, I, I guess, only with three with with Long up there, um, yeah. And, and from the first team from last year, because because J Rod is gone. But like, do you think we need to sign another forward? Yeah, in my eyes, we do. Yeah. Um, touching onto that, the athleticism side of it, Gabby Adini is not exactly quick off the mark. Whilst he's classy on the ball, he he, he can't beat players galore. Um, Austin's certainly not a dribbler. We know that he's there to pick up those scraps. You know. Uh-huh. Tap it into the back of the net. So for me, if, if two at top partnership, whilst, yeah, on paper, Gabby Adini Austin does look exciting as a pair, I guess, you start thinking about it and you're thinking, who's going to make all of those runs in behind between them? I mean, Austin's not particularly a great passer through for Gabby Adini. So I'd want to see, as I said there, you know, a, a quicker forward that then if a two at the top partnership does work, you know, you can have a quick guy along alongside Austin or alongside Gabby Adini. That's what I'd like to see with. Gabby Adini and Austin, maybe more rotation between them two with a quicker Mane, Eniacho style player um, being brought into the club. All right. All right. I have two questions that are kind of along the same lines. Bob Brown, who's at RS Brown 80, says, if all the existing players were to stay, what one position would you figure we still need to improve upon? And George Galpin, who is at GGalpin95, says, what position would you strengthen first? So uh, I think those kind of go. We can answer those all, all, all here together. Um, so what do you say? What do you say? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, firstly, if, yeah, if all of them do stay, then I firstly want to say that I'm excited to see Van Dyke and Stevens next to each other. I think that will be a promising centre-back partnership, and I really look forward to that. I think Yoshida probably had the better season at the end of last year, but in terms of moving forward, um, I think Stevens would be fantastic alongside Van Dijk. But I still think an extra centre half, an extra centre half, will do us no harm whatsoever. And it's just shoring it up. It's just making sure. You got to remember, we still haven't got our Fonte replacement in the side. We still haven't signed from January. And back then, we were screaming that we needed to to get a new centre half. Um, and also for the sake that we need to get another new centre half in, because if Van Dijk does leave in a year's time. Then we've had a player who's been playing for the club for an entire season and can help that transition of Van Dyke leaving. That's what's so important because you don't want to tear the same centre-back partnership up in a single year and have to sign two at once. Right. You know, preferably, you have an overlap where a player's been there for a year, 
knows what's demanded from the manager, knows what's needed from the club, knows his teammates, so that when the other first-team centre-half does get signed, he can take him under his wing, um, which is, is vital for Saints, because you don't want a 10-game period where you're still settling in with your centre-back partners. You know, There's not enough time for that with the way the Premier League is nowadays and how quick everyone's off the mark. And another area, uh, as much as I do still love the bloke, I, he drove us mad last season. It's Forster. Um, I mean, if a good goalkeeper is available, um, then then I don't think there'd be any harm in, in taking it. Um, but but the previous buy that we thought the Forster deal might be able to come from was Everton. And obviously they've now signed Pickford. So, uh, yeah, Forster was an outside shout from last season. But it seems over the... Since you know the season's come to an end, people have kind of forgotten about their frustrations toward Forster because he was one that a lot of people were saying needs replacing um, come the summer. So, so yeah, that would be my answer. Yeah, no, he he drew a lot of criticism last year and justly in some in some forms and then unjustly mm. in others. But yeah, Cumin uh, signing signing Pickford is a uh, in more than one way signaling that's Forster's replacement in more ways than one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Well, we had another question down here, um, specifically to the midfield. This is from, I think it's Reese, right? Yep. At R A E E E S underscore 97. Um, how would you improve on the midfield for next season? I reckon saints could do with a real workhorse, add some energy into the slow games. Uh, so I have some thoughts on this, but, uh, what are your, we'll get yours first. Um, yeah, I can see what it means. I mean, especially with Davis, is often the the tiring legs in midfield. Um, and as sad as it is to say, he's now thirty two and he's going to be coming towards the end of his career in that sense. So I can understand why why that need would be would be talked about. Um, because who knows how Davis can go on this year? You know, at, at age thirty two, thirty three, your career can suddenly take a big drop in a single year. Um, so yeah, it could be it could be very useful to have a, a player who's a little more dogged in midfield, a lot more legs, especially maybe with Classy um, looking for the door at some point. I mean, he's not getting consistent run of games and he's a little, he adds a little more work into the midfield. So yeah, with maybe Davis on a decline and Classy looking to the exit door, uh, I, th- I think, you know, a, a player of that mould could be a little more useful. We'll wait and see. It all depends on what Pellegrino's demands are from his midfield, of course, and, and how he wants to set up in particular games. But if it does fit into that mould, then yeah, I, th- I think looking at one for this year, or, or maybe the next window would be would be a smart move. Yeah, and sometimes I, I see the, the the slow games, and Davis definitely has that tendency to turn around and pass it back to the center backs, or, or you know pass it laterally instead of instead of going forward sometimes. But then sometimes he makes ridiculous runs in the box that I that I really mm. really, really like. But he seems to only be able to do it for about sixty or seventy minutes. And then even more so, sometimes I think the slow games last year were more a, a result of the, the system we were playing rather than necessarily the players we had on the field. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree in a large aspect there. Um, um, and I mean, in the Premier League, you always need those, no matter who you are in the Premier League, no matter how you want to play, you still need a player with buzz in the team. It's just the way the Premier League is. You can't go for an all-technical midfield in the Premier League. You just It just doesn't happen. You know, the, the way other teams set up and the way that they'll press you and the, the physicality of it, you do need a player with a little more legs on him sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. One more here. I think we have time for one more. Rob Adam Evans, who's at mm-hmm. Rob Adam Evans, um, said, who is Southampton's current best young prospect, either homegrown or foreign? And why do you think that? And so I had a look over at the, at the, 
at the squad here and I was looking all around and, and we talked a little bit. So what, where would you go with, with this? Uh, in the first team, I would say Nathan Redmond, um, just because uh, of, of how much he's improved over the past year. Uh, War Prowse will be up there for me because of his captaincy in the under-21s and, and how much he improved at the final stage of last season. But Redmond as a whole, seeing how much he's he's come on from his old Norwich days, there was a large proportion of the season for Norwich in, in their last fight for survival where he was actually on the bench for a good run of games because they just couldn't trust him. He was a bit of a liability. His shooting was wayward. His final ball was awful. Yeah, Southampton, we we trained his technique in shooting by by miles. So to me, that only tells me that he can step forward again next season. Um, and he's had a good goal scoring year as a young winger. So you know, if he can get into the double digits next season, then then I, I think he's making a fantastic case of being our best young prospect. Um, but in terms of in the academy, uh, for me, it's Callum Slattery. Um, he's a central midfielder. Um, He's got a little bit of bite about him, but he's incredibly technical in the midfield. Still 18 years old, plays for the under-18s, um, and he's very highly rated in the academy. Um, and, it, yeah, the way that he can dictate a game and his first touch compared to others around his age. You know, I've seen him seen him play a couple times over the past two years down at the academy, and it, it, the, his first touch on the ball compared to others his age and his reading of the game uh, is ahead of everyone else. So, I, I, you know, I'd love to see him get a few more games to the under-21s and maybe if he has another great season, get get a little first-team appearance. That would be great. All right. I think that does it for for the questions that we have from, from listeners. And we'd like to thank everybody who's sending those questions. Do it each and every week. Use the hashtag SFCDell. It helps us kind of sort through them and keep them kind of in line. And uh, we'll do our best to, to do that. And you can either do that uh, on Twitter or on Facebook. So do you have anything else that you'd like to kind of throw in here? Anything we didn't quite cover or... No, I'm, I'm, I'm all good from here. Just, you know, if, if anyone wants to, to take a look at the website... Um, feel free to you know at the moment we've got a, a piece still on Virgil van Dijk's future uh we've got that that section on Jan Bednarek and we've got a piece about Jay Rodriguez coming in the next 24 hours too so feel free have a look and uh be sure to give it a follow on Twitter as well at Fresh Saints yeah and the links to all of those things will be in the show notes as always um that's like the only thing I will ever write is show notes I don't ever want to write an article because I don't I don't want to do that but like yeah. <laughs> uh show notes are good um and I do have one question for you. Uh, we were messaging back and forth, and you you apologized for uh, taking a little bit of time. But you were at is it Glastonbury? Is that where you were? Yeah, I was indeed, and I missed everything under the sun, Saints wise. Um, but it was it was absolutely superb. Yeah, it was, I, I loved it there. Um, but yeah, new manager uh, bids for Van Dyke, the whole lot. So <laughs> now now Glastonbury is that essentially like is that like Woodstockish or uh, Coachella ish? Is that the same kind of big yeah, giant it's music along festival? Yeah, yeah, it is indeed, but it's done far more far more British than Coachella, you know. Coachella very very all clean, tidy, nice and and such whereas Glastonbury gets uh, a lot more muddy and the toilets are like something you never ever want to uh witness again in your life. <laughs> when I was let's see I was just, I think it was a junior in high school, I went to Coachella before it was like a a big thing. Um mm. and it was still a big festival, but it wasn't nearly as uh as hipster as it is now, if I can say that. Yeah. Um, and I remember uh, we were up front for waiting for the Red Hot Chili Peppers to perform. And it was still like, I think it was still like 98 degrees. And I looked down, I'm like, what the hell is that on my foot? And uh, there was a girl who could, didn't want to get out of crowd to go to the bathroom. And so she just decided to squat down. Oh and pee. my God. She peed Yeah, on there's my a foot. lot of that at Glastonbury as well. Man. There's a lot of that. Into cans and cups. Go yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. Whatever. So, <laughs> well, me and that girl. Incredibly British thing, that. Incredibly British thing. 
Yeah, and probably the worst part about it was my uh, my mother decided to go along with me and my friends to go because I was only 17. And so oh, my mom's no. standing next to me while there's a girl peeing on my foot. It was a super awkward situation. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I have to ask you, um, you know, if, if you're going to Glastonbury again, you can take one player from the squad, one player from the Saints squad. Oh. Who would you take and, 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 and why? Good question. Good question. All right. I would bring along with me... I actually think Yoshida would be a laugh. I actually think Yoshida would be absolute. Either that or Charlie Austin. I think Charlie Austin. He, yeah, that's a good I, one. You know what, Charlie? I'd take Charlie. He's he's real British. He'd, he'd absolutely love a festival. He'd be happy to be on the beers. He'd be <laughs> sinking the beers down first thing in the morning. Hangover. He'd be on anything. He'd he'd take anything you hand to him in the morning. He'd wake up hungover, absolutely die, and then you chuck him a can, and he's going to crack it open in two seconds. So yeah, I'd I'd go Charlie. I'd always be like. I'd always be a little leery to take any of the players from Eastern Europe because they might just yeah. be super into like, I don't want to go to like the rave tent all night. Yeah. You know, that's I not think, what I'm yeah, into. They, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't fancy the rave tent. Tadich, you'll catch Tadich in there. Yeah. Yeah. I that's that's what I'm looking at. Him. What about yourself? Who are you picking? You know, I think, I think Yoshida would be a good one. Cause I think he'd just be up for a good time. Um, yeah. And he's a happy guy, isn't he? And, but recently I've had a couple beers a night, uh, during the summer and I wake up with a hangover if I have like two and I'm like, what, I don't know what's going on with me. So I, I'm not sure I can hang with Charlie. Um, so I might have to, Steven Davis and I are both old, but I think he'll drink me under the table too. Uh, but I think, yeah, I, I think, mean, yeah, Davis is Irish at the end of the day. He's got, yeah, he's got that in him. And he, I'd probably have to take Yoshida. I think I'd have a good time with him. I think we just laugh at people the whole time. So I think that'd be, yeah, Yoshida's definitely that guy and he sit on the side. He's happy doing his own thing, you know? Yeah. All right, man. Well, that, that kind of does it for, for what I have for us. Uh, a little lengthy, but we'll be okay. So, so thanks for coming on again. And, and once again, everybody, uh, you can follow you personally at Mr. Aiden Small on Twitter. And then you can also follow Fresh Saints at Fresh Saints and check out the website at freshsaints.com. So uh, Aiden, thanks for joining me. And uh, you know, we'll talk to you next time. Not a problem. Absolute pleasure. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us. Uh, thank you for downloading the show and subscribing. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us at SFCDELL underscore IVERY on Twitter and at Facebook.com forward slash SFC Delivery. There's no underscore in the Facebook address. You can also subscribe to our feed in iTunes, Stitcher, ACAST, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The easiest way is just to search. D-E-L-L-I-V-E-R-Y. And if you do that, it'll come up, hit subscribe, and you'll get every episode. Download it to your phone. It's probably the easiest. Uh, and uh, that way you don't miss an episode. And we will keep episodes coming as much as possible uh, throughout the summer, unless really there's nothing that happens. But even when we're going to have a quiet summer, it seems like something always happens. We have something to talk about. So we will be back with somebody to talk to you about something at some point down the road so uh, we'll actually be back next week so don't don't worry too much um special thanks to both of my guests mr aiden small you can find him on twitter at mr aiden small at fresh saints and his website is freshsaints.com. and christopher lash who is on twitter at right bank warsaw he has a podcast that you can find on itunes or soundcloud called right bank warsaw he also has a, a website rightbankwarsaw.com. so be sure to give both of them a follow to uh read the stuff and it is uh it's always interesting it's very informative and both very good writers and, and people that I enjoy talking to. So hopefully I have a reason to have both of them back on or they will choose to come back on or want to come back on in, in the future. So um, 
I really do appreciate that. And Christopher Lash, his podcast, uh, I put the, I'll put the link in the show notes. They, they talked about uh, their kind of team of the season uh, at the end of the, of the Polish top division season, and, and Bednarek actually made their team of the season. So that, that is encouraging. So you can hear more from him uh, if, you, if you check that out. That, that pretty much does it. Uh, if you are enjoying the show, I would really appreciate it if you could, one, share it with some friends, retweet the stuff, all of those things, but also leave a review on iTunes so you can help people uh, find the show. And I'm still getting messages from people that uh, even six months into to me using the hashtag and everything else that they're just finding it. So uh, that means that there are, I think there are more people out there who don't know about the show. So if you could help spread the word, that would be fantastic. Um, but you have the freedom to do whatever you want uh, or, or not do whatever you want. So that is uh, it's my 4th of July joke, and that's where I'm going to leave it. So uh, once again, I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'm looking forward to bringing you another episode next week. And uh, any feedback you have will be here. Any questions you have, uh, send them in. Use the hashtag SFCDell, either on Facebook or Twitter, and we will do our best to address them with whoever my guest is. So uh, once again, thank you to Mr. Aiden Small. Thank you to Christopher Lash. Thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, remember that together, we march on.